Okay, here we go. So now we pick up writing Chronicles. Remember, Chronicles is a, uh, why would they call it Chronicles? It's a record. And we just got through reading, uh, we'd seen that David had a historian, he had a secretary, all this massive structure. I mean, it's, and now we're leading into somebody that even history itself acknowledges that Solomon was here. Even history alone tells us that there's references everywhere. You, you just ask anybody. You ever heard of a guy named Solomon? Yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, he's wise. That's right. Where'd you get that? Oh, it's Confucius. No, it's not. Everybody will think of Solomon before they think of Confucius or whatever. Anyway, here we go. So, chapter 1 of 2 Chronicles. This is the second book. Uh, now, let me, before we go any further, let, let, I want to look at something here. In 2 Chronicles, we have 36 chapters, okay? It's, it's documented as it's broken up in 33 chapters here. So, here we go. All right, first chapter, look at this. King David's son Solomon was now the undisputed ruler of Israel, for the Lord had made him a powerful monarch. He summoned all the army officers and judges to Gibeon, Remember, David said, you're going to soon be bringing the ark into town. So this was still uh, somewhere else. They had another place where the old tabernacle was set up. Anyway, as well as all the political and religious leaders okay, of Israel, he led them up to the hill to the old tabernacle constructed by Moses. You say, Richard, this is history. I know, but what are they doing? Remember, didn't David tell? Remember, David, David lived to be an old, old man. And he was successful in everything. His life was just totally blessed. And he warned his son. He said, listen, you better pay attention to the Lord. Look what his son's doing. Fantastic. Okay. Now we know his son acted like an idiot later, but so did much of the kings after that. They were up and down, up and down. Okay. Here we go. He led him up to the hill, to the old tabernacle. Ah, boss, why are we going to church? I don't want we, this Lord stuff. We, and you got a chaplain? See, it's not about a chaplain. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. Watch what happens. Because he's fixing to pray, and we have his words, we can do the same thing. And he's not going, oh, most holy, everybody watching. Everybody, we bow our heads in prayer. Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to thy service. Remember, we've heard all that. That's not what's happening here. Look at this. Constructed by Moses, the Lord's assistant, while he was in the wilderness. So that's that tabernacle we read about at the end of, Ex end of Exodus in the first part of uh, oh, Leviticus. Okay. There was a later tabernacle in Jerusalem. Yes, right. Because remember, David moved that thing closer, got in trouble. Remember, because one of the one of the Levite, one of the there weren't a Levite. One of David's mighty men of valor reached up there to touch that ark, and it whew, cost him his life. There was later tabernacle in Jerusalem built by King David for the ark of uh, uh, for the ark of God when he removed it from Kirath Jerem. The bronze altar made by Bazel, the son of... Boy, look at the history. I mean, it has a serial number on it. Yes, they remember every detail. Son of Hur is still in front of the old tabernacle. Now Solomon and those who had invited to the assembly for themselves before, uh, as he sacrificed upon it a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. So while they're there, they're at the, that's where they just went to. He sacrificed a thousand, can you imagine that? Either a thousand ox or a thousand sheep, whatever. Look at this. That night, God appeared to Solomon and told him, look what he says. Now, I as a Baptist was learning, do not ever say God said this. Why would we want to tell people that our God is not God? I learned real quick dealing with young people that, no, you just tell them. They'll figure it out. Look what the Lord said. 
ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. Now, if you know anything about prayer in the New Testament, that's exactly what it says over there. Ask what you will. My goodness. Mark eleven twenty four. what things serve you desire when you pray. We dig so far down in there just to try to give ourselves an excuse why God won't answer something. Well, I don't, God doesn't want me to have a new Pontiac. <laughs> he has streets of gold. Ezekiel saw his riding vehicle and could not even explain it. A wheel within a wheel. No, it was burlap and crazy stuff. It wouldn't even fly. He had some awesome structure that came down, you know. Mercy. Book Ezekiel is not a scary book. It's just scary if you don't read it. It's, if you read it, it's fantastic. Read it in the Living Bible. You'll, go, you'll get so caught up in it, you'll go, I cannot believe I read 39 chapters of Ezekiel, however long. It's pretty long. But it goes by quick. And it's laid out in story format. Okay. From beginning to end, it's chronological. Okay. Solomon replied, Oh God, you've been so kind and good to my father David, and now you have given me this kingdom. That, this is all I want. For you fulfilled your promise to, my fa- to David, my father. Well, I thought Solomon wasn't paying no attention. He's a kid that don't care about God. He was paying attention. It's probably why David told him. Well, anyway, but God, God told him his son Solomon. Anyway, and have made me king over this nation as full. Look at, look at this. Look at this detail. Made me king over a nation. This is the Jews. As full of people as the earth is full of dust. So now you can see what happened to it when Nebuchadnezzar, boy, the whole place was destroyed. Man. I mean, people, they lost a lot of volume of people. Talk about a holocaust. And God said that's going to happen. If you worship idols, you guys have had it. Now give me wisdom. Look at this. Give me wisdom and knowledge to rule them properly. For who is able to govern by himself such a great nation as this one of yours? See, even Solomon knew all these people are yours. Look what happens. God replied, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you haven't asked for personal wealth and honor. You haven't even asked me to curse your enemies and you haven't even asked for a long life. But wisdom and knowledge to properly guide my people. Look at this. Yes, I'm giving you wisdom and knowledge you asked for. (gasps) Look at this. And I am also giving you riches and wealth and honor such as no other king has ever had before you. That's the reason we read this. You want to remind yourself of this. This is just like Egypt coming out of Egypt. It was so awesome. Remember the Queen of Sheba? Didn't, well, I ain't going to do this weekend. I get, no, she heard about it. Jesus mentioned the Queen of Sheba. She's going to rise up against this generation and condemn it. Because someone greater than Solomon is here. That's what Jesus said about himself. Okay. Remember he also said about Solomon, talking about worry and fear and you're you're afraid. for. He says, hey, even Solomon in all his glory. What glory? Oh, we don't get the glory if we don't read it. We're going to read some of it. It's it's, it's shocking. He says, there will never again be a great king, uh, be so great a king in all the world. Boy, the Lord stuck his neck out there. But you know what? Here we are 4,000 years later and we've heard all about it. Plus, we're going to read it. Solomon then left the tabernacle. He returned, to, he returned down the hill, went back to Jerusalem to rule Israel. He built up a huge force of 1,400 chariots, recruited, recruited 12,000 cavalry to guard the cities where the ch- chariots were garaged. Now remember, you think about a chariot. It could be two horses. You know, it's a little, almost like a miniature tank, you could say, because they had wheels and they could roar and they could come after whatever they needed to come after. Okay. Though some, of course, were stationed at Jerusalem near the king. During Solomon's reign, look at this. Ah, I can't be. No, we've actually heard these things before. 
Silver and gold were so plentiful in Jerusalem as rocks on the road. Just lucky. No, God said it was going to happen. And expensive cedar lumber was used like common sycamore. Solomon sent horse traders to Egypt to purchase the entire herds at wholesale prices. These drunk guys are really talented to write such stuff, you know, smoking dope, coming up with these things and showing the ratio of, of four to one. In other words, the chariot costs four times as much as the horse. See that? The Egyptian chariot sold for $400 each and horses for 100 Wow. Delivered at Jerusalem. Many of these were resold. Why do we need to know that? It's because it's history. Jesus refers to all of this stuff. I mean, just, just the fact he refers to Solomon and all that stuff. Now we know why. Chapter 2, Solomon now decided that, at the t- that the time had come to build a temple. Here we go. And, the, and a palace for himself. This required a force of, look at this, of 70,000 laborers. But remember, there's not anybody in Israel. No, he just said it was like the sand of the sea. There were so many people. And they were all excited about this. 80,000. Can you imagine this? I just know in the park where there's only a couple places that cut marble. What if there was 80,000 on the parkway alone? Once all these people, I think I've driven down Marble City. Yeah. In the hills and 3,600 foremen, 3,600 bosses. Isn't that something? Solomon sent an ambassador to King Haram of Tyre uh, requesting shipments of cedar and lumber such as Haram had supplied. See, that's historical. David did the same thing a few chapters ahead in the other book when he was building his palace. He said, I'm about to build the temple of the Lord for the Lord my God, Solomon told Haram. It'll be a place where I can burn incense and sweet spices before God and display the, there it is, the special bread, the bread of his presence, and sacrifice burnt offerings each morning and evening, in other words, for sin, and on the Sabbath and on the new moon and celebration. Look, he knew it. That's exactly what was supposed to take place. Look at that. For God wants Israel always to celebrate these special occasions. That's the reason when his son Rehoboam and then the other kings, some of them do it and some of them go, no, we're not going to. Yeah, we're going to. No, we're not. And it just back and forth and the place falls apart or it gets successful. Like Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat went out and did a Sunday school campaign for the whole nation. Had people to educate the people about this. Boy, God just took care of the whole place. Remember that wonderful story? Jehoshaphat, the kingdom was split at that time, and part of Israel was worshiping a moo down the road, Samaria. And bless, yeah, bless Jehoshaphat's, Jehoshaphat had a good heart, but he still was trying to, the Lord, put it this way, the Lord said, don't mess, I mean, that's why I'm saying you, husbands and wives and people, we can be this way. God said, don't mess with them anymore. They've said they don't want me. So, but Jehoshaphat wanted to go help him. So he went down there to go help who? I'm trying to get the king's name. Oh, Ahaz. I want to call him Ahaz. It may not be Ahaz. Could be Ahab. So anyway, they got down there and they got being buddies again. And remember the story? King Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, he says, will you help me to fight against these Syrians? And Jehoshaphat says, hey, man, my army is yours to command. Well, let's go. But the Lord didn't want him going down there. But anyway, but Jehoshaphat, he was smart though. He said, he said to King Ahaz, he says, now they're both kings. He says, let's get a prophet. Let's ask him first. Let's ask the Lord. And uh, 
Ahaz, uh, oh, so these prophets came up. They belonged to the bad guys. Over there. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to wipe them out. You're going to do really good, really good. And Jehoshaphat's going, I don't think those prophets are really on target here. Have you got one from the Lord? And so Ahaz says, or Ahab, whatever his name is, he says, well, I got one named Micaiah, whatever, but he never prophesies anything good about me. <laughs> well, that's because he's worshiping idols. So Micaiah comes in there and he goes, oh, king, yeah, you're going to knock them out and whatever. Boy, the king got so mad. He says, he said, he says, don't you lie to me because he knew he was lying. And anyway, Micaiah said, yep, because this time tomorrow you're going to die. <laughs> anyway, so the story went from there. Remember, Jehoshaphat's the good king for Judah and anyway, around Jerusalem. And this stupid King Ahab says, hey, tomorrow morning, uh, you keep your general king outfit on and stuff, but I'm going to be under camouflage. Jehoshaphat goes, okay, yeah, fine, all right. So the battle took place, and the Syrians thought Jehoshaphat was the king of that other king. So they went after him. But now I want to tell you something about Jehoshaphat. This is what's so cool and why he was doing this right here. They were after Jehoshaphat, and the Bible says that Jehoshaphat knew he was in trouble, and he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord saved him. The Syrians said, hey, this is the wrong guy. And so they turned, and they tried to go after the other one, and remember somebody shot a wild air, I'll just shoot, and it just caught that other king in between the shoulder blade and whatever, he wound up killing him. So anyway, you can read that story too. But that's why... This is so important. For God wants us to celebrate these special occasions. Now, remember the book of Exodus when they, right at the, right when the death angel hit, the Lord said, this is to remind your kids because they'll, so, they'll say, Grandpa, why, why are we doing this? And you're supposed to tell your grandkids because the Lord with mighty strength got us out of Egypt. It's almost like Santa Claus. Some people don't even play Santa Claus anymore. They just don't even play Christmas anymore. Except it's, it's, it's crazy. And I, and I, don't, I don't mind the Santa Claus story. That's fine. But I'm just saying some people are just, we just, they, it's, it's like we say today, culture, well, they cancel culture. That, you can see something's behind that. Look at this. It's going to be a wonderful temple because he is a great God and greater than any other. Now, there's got to be something behind greater. But see, today in America, or we'll just say in, in, in Alabama, Alabama Baptist, we do a very bad job of trying to package the Lord. It's the reason their churches are not, you know, they're just, they're, nobody's doing anything. They don't think he can do anything. You take COVID, for instance, they're just like, well, you empty out. It's like, Jesus is a, you, you cannot read the book of Acts and feel like I'm supposed to be afraid of sickness and disease. Jesus is not even in the book of Acts. I mean, he is, he shows up one time. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he's in chapter 1. The rest of it is just people acting like Jesus. Man. Paul, I read it yesterday, uh, two days ago. I just, I didn't have a Bible. I knew there was one on the toilet that was behind me. I grabbed the one on the toilet behind me. It's a little pearl one. It's got pearl, you know. I was trying to read it. So I flipped to Acts 28. 20, 27. 27. It's the last chapter of the book of Acts. That's right when they got shipwrecked. There was it's the reason the history is so important. There was 276 of them on a boat, not two or three, you know, like the stupid boat they claim is Noah's Ark, a couple of giraffes sticking up. That thing was huge, stretched out from here all the way down to the road down yonder. That was 450 foot long. 
Anyway, so back to this. So all 276 people were saved. Well, if you read the chapter 26, Paul said, we're all going to survive. Okay. Anyway, so Paul's, he said the people of the, of the, it's Miletus, the people of the island were so generous, where they're so helpful, they built a fire. And it said while Paul was gathering sticks, remember what happened? Boom! A viper got him. The venomous beach is what the King James says. But it says Paul shook it off into the fire and felt no harm. But the natives there, they were, they were saying, well, surely this guy is a, you know, he's a murderer because that. But they kept watching Paul and he never did die. <laughs> now remember what happened next. They found out that the governor lived right close by and he was there. So they, the governor housed all of them. And the governor's what? His father was sick with, remember the King James says, a bloody flux. Hello, Living Bible. We need some help with that one. <laughs> what is a bloody flux? Well, I can just imagine. And you don't want to stop reading. Just keep cruising. We just know it's something bad. Okay, so anyway, Paul, the Bible says, Paul went in and laid hands on him. He didn't say Jesus Christ showed up. And just for that moment, no, Paul went in and he laid hands on him and he was healed. And then it says, and then many more from all over the island came and were healed. Oh, but COVID, you know. Oh, yeah. oh, we're just not reading our Bibles. But thank God we are today. We, are, we know better. Anyway, it's going to be a wonderful temple because God is great. Greater than any other. All you got to do is let God be God. Don't, you don't have to cover for him. Just tell people he's a healer. Not that he can heal. You need to tell him he'll heal you. Scare him a little bit. Yeah, but doctor said I'm, I'm going to die in six months. No, you're not. How can you say that? I don't have to say it. We're going to read the Bible. Book of James. Remember it says, is any sick? Looking for a sick person like, you know, what's his name is? Sherlock Holmes. We've got to find one. All you got to do is be sick. That's what I find out in the Bible. If you want to get healed, just be sick. All right, here. Who can ever build him a worthy home? Not even the highest heaven would be beautiful enough. And who am I to be allowed to build a temple of God? But it'll be a place of worship for him. Now, that's what he was telling that king of Haram. All right. We're just going to be able to get through this chapter, and that's it. So send me skilled craftsmen, goldsmiths, silversmiths, brass, and iron workers, and send me weavers to make purple, crimson, blue cloth, and skilled engravers to work beside the craftsmen of Judah and Jerusalem who were selected by my father David. Now, remember, this temple gets destroyed, but it gets rebuilt again. It's called Herod's Temple. And that's where Jesus went in, and he blew a gasket, didn't he? Anyway, also send me my cedar, send me cedar trees, fir trees, algum trees from the forest of Lebanon. For your men are without equal as lumbermen, and I'll send my men to help them. And an immense amount of lumber will be needed for the temple I'm going to build. Uh, oh, for the yeah, for the temple I'm going to build is going to be large and incredibly beautiful. Oh, uh, you know what's funny is we have the we have the details of the sizes and stuff. Anyway. As to the financial arrangements, I'll pay your men 20,000 sacks of crushed wheat, 20,000 barrels of barley, 20,000 barrels of wine, 20,000 barrels of olive. These drunk guys are really good, aren't they? Mm-mm. It's because it's real. It's in, the, it's in the records. King Haram replied to King Solomon. It's because, look at that. Now, how does this king know? Is he a, is he a churchgoer? Is he, a, you know, a, is he polished up on his TV evangelist stuff and learned all this stuff? He just knew the Lord himself. It's because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who made the heavens. Well, <laughs> he's so silly. It was just evolution. God didn't make any of this. <laughs> Man. First off, notice he's King Haram. And I tell you, across the known world, you read it from these books that we read, you know, these people find out. Nebuchadnezzar found out God was God. Anyway, here we go. He's the God of Israel who made the heaven and the earth and who has given David such a wise, intelligent, and understanding son to build God's temple and royal palace for himself. I'm sending you, look at this. Oh my goodness, not a specific name. Yep, look at that. I'm sending you my master craftsman. Oh, please. Hickory dickory dock. Nope. This is real. My famous Huramabi. <laughs> Whatever. We'll just call him Howard. He's a brilliant man. Uh-oh. Look at the connection. The son of a Jewish woman. No wonder what his mama taught him. Yep. From Dan. That's one of the 12 sons. Okay, remember that probably Dan, well, I know it was. Dan was one of the ones from, well, Rachel had, no, Leah has lovely eyes. <laughs> Whatever. His father is here from Tyre. He's a, he's a skilled goldsmith and a silversmith, and he also does exquisite work with brass and iron and knows all about stonework, carpentry and weaving, and he's an expert in, I'll say what, building or something, whatever it is. Oh, dyeing of purple and blue linen and crimson cloth. Wow. He's an engraver besides, and an inventor. <laughs> He'll work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my Lord David, your father. Send, uh, send along the wheat, the barley, and the olive oil, and the wine you mentioned. And we'll begin cutting uh, from the Lebanon logs as much as you need and bring it to you, floating it along the Sea of Joppa. And there you can take them inland to Jerusalem. So if you know the terrain, you got the Mediterranean, right? So they did. So Solomon took a census of all the foreigners in the country, just as his father had done, found out there was 153,000 of them. He indentured 70,000 as common laborers and 80,000 as loggers and uh, 3,600 as foremen. I said we wouldn't, but we could get one more. Come on. Finally, the actual construction of the temple began. So here they go, starting to work. So you wouldn't want to wait 10 years to read this because it's a story. Its location was in Jerusalem. Look at this. On top of Mount Moriah, now I know I don't think any of us have been to the Holy Land, but if we were, we would know where Mount Moriah was. And Jesus was crucified, I think, over on this side. But anyway, Mount, that's where the temple was, where the Lord had appeared to Solomon's father, uh, King David. Oh, here's that story, uh, where the threshing floor of Ornan and the Jebusite had been. Remember, that was when that angel was coming down, and boy, the Lord stopped him. The actual construction began on the... Oh, please don't give us a date. Man, the atheists are going to nail us on this. They're not going to have any way to nail them. Because it happened. 17th day of April in the fourth year of Solomon's reign. Good grief. The foundation was... Here we go. 90 feet long. Now, my house is 90 feet long, so I already know how far that is. Okay. 30 feet wide. That's about what this room is here. A covered porch ran along the entire 30-foot width of the temple. Okay? So the, the width of it, there was a, a porch. With the inner walls and ceiling overlaid with... Surely it was just rust-oleum. Remember, they had gold. You talk about streets of gold in heaven. They were having it here. The roof was 180 feet high. Now that's a roof, buddy. Whoa! Why would you do that? You can see it afar off. 
Remember, greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. But you have to tell yourself that. You have to remind yourself, praise God, greater is he that's in me. Well, what if you worked around there and you glanced around and all of a sudden you saw Mount Rainier and, you know, up there at uh, Washington. It's like, whoa. Or one of those, you know, see what I'm saying? You're at work and doing some stuff and yeah, hard times are coming and all of a sudden you glance over. <laughs> you see the temple. Praise God. And now you, you understand why David was saying that I might be found in your temple. You know, hide me in the pavilion. Oh, you know, whatever. Anyway, the main part of the temple was paneled with cypress wood, plated with pure gold, cut grief, engraved with palm trees and chains. Oh, we well, don't need that purdy stuff. Yeah, you do. Look at this. Beautiful jewels. I mean, they've criticized people. I, that's, when I grew up, I, I've been in Huntsville since 1960, since I was born. I was born in Florida. But I, was, I came up here immediately. And just a kid in the back seat listening and hearing people talk, and all of a sudden you start hearing those stories. But I don't know why that church built such fancy stuff. I, they could give that money to the... Yeah, you can give that money to the poor. Don't you remember Jesus brought that in one time when a woman broke that, that veil, I mean that uh, vial of, uh, of perfume. And some of the disciples, one of them was Judas, he was mad about it. Hey, he could have sold that perfume. And Jesus said, hey, wait a minute, you can do that stuff for the poor anytime. So this was great. Gold, by the way, was of the best from Parvam. Wow, so it wasn't cheap stuff, was it? All the walls, beams, and doors, and thresholds throughout the temple, plated with gold, with angels engraved on the wall. Man, I tell you, you felt like you were in the presence of the Lord when you walked in there. Whoa! Because you saw all this stuff. Within the temple at one end was the most sacred room. There you go, Holy of Holies. We know what that is. 30 foot square. This too was overlaid with finest gold valued at millions of dollars. I guess so. How do you think they got that stuff up there? Man, you had to heat it, put it up there, whatever. 26 ounce gold nails were used. Look at that. We're, we're, we're about done. Here, skip. 26 ounce gold nails were used. The upper rooms were also plated with gold, pure gold. Amazing. With the innermost room, the Holy of Holies, Solomon placed, there they are, two sculptured statues of angels and plated them with gold. They stood on the floor facing the outer rooms. So this is just like uh, Exodus chapter whatever, the latter part of uh, Exodus when Moses got his instructions. Their wings stretched tip to tip, uh, wing tip to wing tip across the room from wall to wall. My goodness. Across the entrance to this room, he placed a veil of blue and crimson fine spun linen decorated with angels. Remember the veil in the temple broke so you couldn't go. This is what that was. At the front of the temple were two pillars. And I think this is kind of cool. Watch this. These are two giant columns. 52 and a half feet high. Topped with a seven and a half foot capital. You know what that is? It's those, you know, you women, you guys know. Okay. Uh, out to the floor, he made chains and placed them on tops of the pillars with a hundred pomegranates and attached with chains. Then he set up the pillars at the front of the temple. And I think one of them's called Jay. They're, they're, they named them. You know, Susie and Betty. No, watch this. Uh, then he set up the pillars. We're going to stop right here. At the front of the temple, one on the right and one on the left. And he gave them, oh, please quit doing this. It never happened. <laughs> no, it was called Jason on the right. And Boaz, the one on the left. No wonder who the heck Boaz was. Try David's great grandpa. No, Boaz. No, we know. Boaz was married to who? There's a book after her. Ruth. Remember, Boaz was an old timer, and he was shocked that Ruth would want to be with him. But she was doing it because of the Lord. I mean, I'm sure, oh, whatever. But anyway, praise God. 
Jakin on the right, Boaz on the left. I'm just going to show the next, the, the next, what's happened next. He also made, see, here you go. See, look at the details. Keeps going. Just keep, we'll, we'll pick up this next time. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We know this stuff happened. Praise the Lord. Why the temple? Why the tabernacle? Father, we know that uh, we're the temple now. <laughs> and praise God, you live on the inside of us. And we just thank you for it. So, Father, if we're not feeling good today, well, praise the Lord. You'll take care of us. I mean, why take care of a tabernacle if you can't take care of us? And so, Lord, you will take care of us. Same thing's true financially. Look at all this wealth that's here. The, oh, praise the Lord. And if there's some sort of trouble or whatever, praise God. Just thinking about the tabernacle. Where we go, we run when we have trouble. We come to you. And Lord, that didn't leave anything left for us to make details and tell them about, to, to, to record our details of what you've done in our life as we tell people about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Yeah, hallelujah. Why don't we stop?